Welcome to the Ben Racky Fitness Show. Today, I have Clifton Harsky on the podcast. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Right on. Um, give, uh, give the probably two or three listeners that we're going to have listening to this uh, a little, uh, little, little background on yourself. I, uh, I've been in fitness forever. Long ass time now. Pushing 40 now. It's been... It's been 16, 17 years of billing people for fitness services. Uh, I've taught about 450 certifications, workshops, and clinics across the country for now five different organizations. So I've uh, dealt with a lot of new trainers and experienced trainers, had a lot of different systems that I've melded into what I think are the things that are cool about training that I enjoy, I think are helpful to people. And, uh, Current position is I work for a company called PPSC, which sounds like I'm stuttering, but it means pain-free performance special certification, which is not any easier to say than PPSC, if we're being real. Um, but our, our whole goal with PPSC is get people to actually train hard and not be scared of movement and not be um, dogmatic about what movements and exercises are important. Right. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why, you know, I... I like the, the, the PPSC, you know what I'm saying? Is, is, is because of that. Now, like when, when we talk about uh, obviously your, your background professionally, like talk a little bit about like what got you into training or like what point in time, like, cause I know you were a, you were an athlete as well. So like, talk about, talk about what, you know, when, when you first got into training and kind of like what, what kind of things I guess you were doing when, you first got into just train, even just training yourself versus like coaching other people. Firstly, I gotta say, it's pretty attacky to say we're an athlete. That's an attack, bro. I, I, I mean, I am an athlete. Ben. <laughs> you uh, more, probably more than, probably more than, probably more than any other for you said you are, are you, you are 40 in five months. Okay. So you're not there yet. You're 39. But you're yeah. you're you're definitely the most athletic thirty nine year old that I know personally. So there you shout go. out to there's, Kyle Dobbs. Um. <laughs> Oof. Well, I I, uh, I haven't uh, I, I actually haven't I haven't talked to Kyle yet on the podcast, and we haven't met in person. So like I can't say that I know him personally yet. But um, he uh, yeah. So <laughs> I started training. Um, to be to be fair, both my parents and my dad was collegiate basketball. My mom had a dance scholarship. So very athletic parents and growing up, they definitely worked out at home. I can distinctly remember my mom making fun of me like in fourth grade because she could do more pull-ups and dips than me. And that probably scarred me and gave me this uh, self-hatred that I have that rides till today that I am not strong enough or fit enough. Uh, So you know, through, I can remember being in India cause I lived in new Delhi. My dad worked for the government. So I grew up around the world and there was a gym in India and it was my Jew, uh, sophomore year, uh, that I was doing bench press and curls and all the basic bodybuilder shit that my dad 
would do. Um, and that was to no avail because I, I graduated high school at my current height at like 155. So, oh. you know, I weigh 45 pounds more now. Um, in, in college, I played basketball. So we had collegiate basketball um, SNC, which, you know, where I was at a JUCO, it was pretty piss poor. It was just machine based hypertrophy stuff. Um, so it's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't particularly, it probably was not the best thing I could be doing. Right. right. Um, but it was fine. It was just a classic linear, like, Hey, here's an endurance block. Here's a strength block. Here's a power block before the season. And now we just run and don't lift, um, was the way that, that it got treated there. That, that next summer, after my first college, collegiate year, I kind of took it into my own hands, and I went all in on a bodybuilding routine. I mean, it was all in, but I put on 15 pounds probably in like a five-month period. Um, and that was very beneficial for, for hooping, for everything, because now I wasn't getting like knocked over on the gym floor. Um, stopped playing college basketball, and at that point it was, you know, really – self-experimenting in the gym and where I ended up kind of, I can, I mean, for years, my go-to warmup was on the cable machine with a, a series of changing where the anchor point of the handle is and just doing a push set, a pull set with rotation and resisting rotation. And this is before I knew anything about resist rotation plus rotation. It just felt good. Right. I, I, I always had my marker of, did I like how my training was going was I able to dunk better on the floor, play better on the basketball floor? And that was my qualitative measure. Oh, I felt, I felt good. Um, you know, at, at one point I turned 21 and was like, let's just see how big I can get, push the weight up till about 219. Um, and that was without lifting a ton of legs. So I was pretty, I was pretty uh, slabby, beefy at the top there, bosomy, I think you could say. Um, you know, all shirts had to go to XLs instead of the large that normally you wear. Ooh. Yeah, I was, uh, I was living <laughs> life. Um, but man, I felt like shit on the basketball court. And I had to, I, I, I was just like force feeding food to stay at that weight. Um, so that was kind of gross, like, you know, slamming instant oatmeal and eggs at night plus a weight gain shake. Uh, just yeah, that yeah. type of thing. Yuck. So that, that lasted a summer and I quickly dropped back down to 200. Um, so every measure of, of training has been, does it feel better on the basketball court? And there, there'll be periods in life where, um, that was not the measure, you know, like I joined a company called move Nat, which moved naturally, which is like train outside. And I was, I was basically a nomad across the United States teaching a different workshop every Saturday and Sunday. I taught 88 in 14 months, which is outrageous. And That's, you're not going to, it was all barefoot running and barefoot training. And I literally just lived in a pair of barefoot Merrells for that whole year. They stunk. Uh, but I wasn't going to travel in size 13 basketball shoes across the country looking for open gym. Um, so I didn't play any. And my goal was climb trees better, jump out of trees better, do weird parkour-esque type stuff. Um, you know, I've had I've done a couple of times where you chase, oh, I'm going to chase all the kettlebell performance metrics. I'm going to chase some barbell metrics, but everything ultimately comes back to, does it make me feel like I can dunk better and I could move around the basketball court better? And I think there's, I, I mean, I think there's definitely something to those. Uh, and I, you can expand on this, but like the, you know, just the 
real world plyometrics or, you know, like, um, you know, some of that move nat stuff and some of the parkour stuff, you know, potentially that you were exploring at that point in time. And it's like, for me, like with some of the athletes, like with our athletes and stuff, like obviously like, yeah, like plyometric exercises are great. And I think they work well specifically for like people um, that maybe aren't doing a lot of volume with like playing basketball and, you know, potentially like younger athletes and stuff like that. Like the strength training pair, but like the plyometric stuff does a lot of, does a lot of good. But by the same token, even for me, like, it's like, I don't, you know, it's fine jumping over hurdles at the gym and jumping on boxes and stuff like that and whatever. But like, I'd much rather just like go to like a court or go to my parents and like do stuff like I was doing in my early twenties and like play dunk ball for an hour and a half and get like just more because it's a much, you know, obviously like in a gym setting and training setting, things are much more controlled. So like when you're in a, sport environment that's not really the case like it's a very dynamic chaotic environment so again like i i think there might be something there as far as like again developing skills that you might not get with normal quote-unquote normal you know whatever nsca textbook training or well that, like that, that normal nsca gym environment training the classical stuff is solely designed to challenge qualities not application is the way that I might, might think of it, right? So basketball court is application of your physical characteristics that you control. And the application is your skill at applying them to accomplish specific tasks. So if we go into jumping, as an example, um, I can remember looking at this in, in, in MoveNet and talking about why we do jump training to targets and down to targets and up to targets and with different approaches and how that actually should lead to better jump output, jump performances specific to parkour and like, and, and whatnot, than just training max broad jump or max box jump. Um, and it's because you're now developing those characteristics, those qualities within the context of task specificity and performance and application versus just output. Like to take it another step, um, I go, okay, who do you, who would you categorize as a better athlete? And, and the people argue this, so it may be a, a bad ex explanation, but is it Usain Bolt with the crazy 100 meter sprint? Okay, absolutely. It's like hard to argue the amazingness of this. Or is it Devin Hester returning however many punt and kickoff returns while running damn like really fast also? <laughs> but also dodging 300 pound people that are trying to murder him <laughs> and to like keep track of, you know, Hey, I've got 10 other offensive players that are blocking for me and trying to help me out. I got to keep track of 11 defensive players. I got to keep track of the sidelines. I got to hold on to this ball. So I don't have proper run mechanics that I would otherwise like, which is more athletic and impressive to me. It's not dying as Devin Hester and being, being able to accomplish it. It's not to take away from both. Like people get upset about this, but there's an application of the ability to, Hey, I don't need to run hundred percent at all points. I got to like slow down a little bit, then change direction and speed back up and slow down. Like you miss me. Like that shit is. So that's the application verse. Hey, just run really fucking fast. Right. And I think like, I, I, I guess my next and I mean, we, I, I think Clay, the, the guy who runs, who runs Pro Force, our facility does a really good job at like setting up, you know, different 
drills and, you know, different things to where, you know, we're, we're potentially helping kids feel out a little bit more of a chaotic environment, whether it be, you know, taking away, you know, whatever, starting on the floor, taking away vision, taking away, you know, doing different like vestibular type, type of things. I'm blanking on like specific things, but like, um, I mean, I guess like, I guess in a train, I guess in a, in more of a controlled environment, like what are, what are, what, what do those things look like? I mean, what are, what are some of your, what are your, some, some of your favorite things for like, quote unquote, athleticism, I guess. Yeah. So the, from a quality standpoint, right. We can get pretty specific. We've got power, we have top end strength, we have an endurance. And then there's like blends of those things. Right. Um, and you can get pretty goddamn cute with the, the level of, of the speed, speed, strength, endurance, specificity. Like, yeah, 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 what? Yeah. That's a made up. That's a made up thing. Yeah. Um, so for me, athleticism would go like a, an easy context would be a point of contact with the ground. So we've got our basic stuff. We have full foot contact on the ground, lifting directly upwards. That is one quality. Put full force into full foot on the ground. There's no balance really required. There's no stability really required. You just just drive into the ground. So it's really good at training an output standpoint. Um, you know, taking it one step further with more stability is a machine. Now you're training more like muscle contractibility without any uh, you know other aspects that you have to control. So to make it more athletic, to me is like okay let's change our stance and just have to have more stability. My definition of athletic is pretty loose. You have to control more shit and it can get to be kind of, you know, funky where, Hey, now I'm, I'm a walking set of deadlifts, for example, like just keeping the deadlift theme, bilateral deadlift with a trap bar, not that athletic. Like right. it's a, it's not to take anything away from it. It's a great drill to train strength or power if you do it faster. Um, but if I then was to take it and, move into a 1.5 stance or a single leg stance. Now I have more stability and it's more specific to how I would be moving on the floor. And, you know, people get caught up because they're like, well, you know, you can't be that specific. And I'm like, that's, that's true, but you can be kind of specific. Like, let's, let's not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you can train max strength better. Doesn't mean it's necessarily going to transition into uh, your ability on the floor terribly well. So sure. Um, you know, and then going a step further would be like, okay, now I'm holding two big ass dumbbells and I'm actually doing a stepping walking deadlift where, or a slight shift onto a lateral, uh, stagger stance where now I've got to, you know, my femur would move internal rotation and right. my pelvis would go over my stance yeah. leg is underneath my body, whatever. Like it, it just becomes something now I have to abs quickly absorb, reestablish a point of contact with my weight distributed over that point of contact, absorb the weight as it drops down. So I can just add layers. The hard part of this is people go too goddamn far and you start looking like the functional patterns bros. Yeah. Right. Like you just start, you're like, Oh no, this that's now you've, now you look like a clown and I yeah. look like a clown a lot of the time because I just like trying shit. I'm not trained, training for anything specific, right? I'm not training a client when I do that. My clients get the tr tried, tested, true stuff. But right. for me, I'm like, I wonder how this feels. And then, and then I would try it with other people that are more athletic to begin with. And if it tends to be relatively easy for people to integrate, um, then we give it to them. Because I, you know, 
coinciding with the term athletic to me is feeling coordinated. And so many adult clients, at least that's my specialty is adult clients that have not necessarily worked out a ton. They'll be like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm not athletic. Uh, I'm not coordinated. I'm like, well, it's just cause you ain't done this shit. Like, let's get you there. Yeah. It's just a skill. Right. And, uh, and I mean, I think going back to like the, you know, specific, I, we, I mean, we assess, we assess the kids, you know, high school, we assess a lot of high school athletes down the facility and adults too. I mean, I've assessed a lot of adults like in my, in my time coaching and like, I'll, I'll use the, the, the most of the high school athletes for an example right now. But like, I think a lot of those kids, and as you know, like one of the, one, one of the biggest, one of the lowest hanging, you know, one of the, one of the lowest hanging fruits for, for those kids is just like pure, or, you know, just base levels of strength. Um, and, you know, potentially like depending on the sport, maybe they do, maybe they would benefit from like a little bit more hypertrophy, but I think like you were saying, and I think this is why, like, I, I like your approach so much to, to training is like, and, and I'm a perfect example of this and like, and you, you, you as well. And like, I was talking to Jake the other day, Jake, same, same way. Like, the farther you go into like one thing, you know, like if you're just, you know, if you throw out like whatever, playing basketball or doing athletic things or like hopping on one foot or, you know, just like even some basic extensive plyos, like, and then you go try to play basketball, you know, your tendons are going to be like, Hey, like what the fuck are you doing? You know, like if you, like if you've, you know, if you've just pushed into that, like, so, I mean, and I mean, I guess that's why, I guess that's why we assess, right? Like is, is to find out specifically. And again, I'm just using the, the athlete example, cause it's fresh on my mind, but like, just to find out like, what are, what are the, what are the qualities that potentially are going to, you know, help this, but like, it, I, I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not sold that like any quality should ever leave. Like, even if like this person needs to get stronger, like still need to be doing some athletic things still need to potentially be doing some, you know, movements that are, you know, joint friendly for hypertrophy, you know, like, uh, so I guess like that concurrent style of style of training is kind of like, you know, pretty, obviously it's, it's, it's gotten really, really popular over the last, you know, however many years, five or 10 years with, with, uh, you know, coaches and, you know, char- people like Charlie and, you know, like I said, yep. like Clay and myself and you and Kyle and, you know, all these different people. So, um, yeah, I just think the, the, you know, like you said, the, the farther you push into one, into one thing, I think the, the less, again, like athletic, you know, you potentially, you potentially become. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, one of the things with the concurrent, I think that, um, a lot of people don't necessarily, talk about with the athleticism builders that most people employ, which would be probably medicine balls, field work, like court work, field work, maybe some jumps, maybe some shuffles, maybe some like angled sprints, curved sprints. All to me that is, is giving the movement variability that other sports would have given those children to begin with. So I think that you could have probably got a lot of the same benefits by going to an open gym parkour or just taking up another sport. So the qualities in the gym that I think make the most sense to, to do 
And this is where there's like a disconnect for, and this is me hypothesizing with kids. I want to be clear. Like I'm not training youth athletes. So this is just from reading, reading a lot of books, being an athlete myself and, and talking to people like yourself that do work with um, children and hiring SNC coaches over my years. But I think that a lot of the movement variability that's expressed in the weight room is just because they were missing it otherwise. And, you know, like, look, we, we don't need another study to tell us that the best athletes seem to be multi-sport athletes. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I mean, we, we have a, we even have a good amount of kids down the facility now that are like, you know, they're whatever middle schoolers or they're, you know, underclassmen in high school. And, you know, they're talking to us about like, Oh, should I just pick one? Should I just pick one? Like I've got these sport coaches at my high school that are telling me like that I should pick one. And I'm like, this is so silly. Like if you, (laughs) and again, like, I mean, I tell them like, if, if you hate the sport or something like that, then, you know, whatever, like don't play it. But like, you know, if you want my opinion, like on like, Hey, what's going to make you potentially a better all around athlete, make you better at, you know, I was talking to a baseball kid the other day, like when I say a baseball kid, like he plays basketball as well, but like his basketball team wasn't very good. And, you know, he's an eighth grade kid, but, um, you know, it's like, I I told him, I was like, you know, you're, you're going into high school. So like the, the, you're going to meet some new kids and the experience might be completely different, you know, different coaches, whatever. And the other thing is like, I know you want, I know baseball is your favorite sport, but like even just playing basketball, like (laughs) you, it it could make you a little bit better at baseball. (laughs) Like the, the skills that you're developing in bass and, and, and vice versa, like the, the things that you're doing in baseball, all the rotation, you know, all of the, you know, quick reaction time stuff. Like, you know, he, he plays, he plays in the field. So it's like that, that kind of stuff is going to make you better at, at basketball as well. So and again, I mean, I, I give the example that I, probably a lot of people give, but like LeBron, bef- like a year before he was in the NFL was playing fo- or the a year before he was in the NBA was playing high school football. Yeah. It's well, like, you know, you brought up the concurrent training, which, it, you know, more and more people gravitate towards and concurrent training is probably going to be best for people that already have well-developed established physical characteristics across the spectrum, sure. right? They're not really diff- deficient in any so you probably get a lot of athletes that come that are very deficient in basic strength. And so at yes, that point, 100%. you've got, you've got a strength forward approach until they don't have a deficiency. I think the industry as a whole probably overvalues top end strength. And so going strong enough is good enough. And then you jump into that concurrent program because what's one of the common themes between, okay. Uh, non-specialized sport athletes or concurrent is, Basically, you never get to the point where you hear the quote from a strength coach say, the best training that you could do is the training that you haven't been doing. Because in concurrent, you're doing it all. So you never get into this point where you have this really large hole. So that's going to be, the, in my opinion, that's going to be the right methodology for someone like me, which I would call a forever health client, right? At this point, I'm just trying like not deteriorate. And that means I need power. I need strength. I need flexibility. I need mobility. I need movement competency. I need hypertrophy. I need all of the shit. And yes, it means that none of those single qualities will be moving at a disproportionate rate to the others in improving unless I tailor the program accordingly. And at that point it becomes like quasi linear with concurrent, like accessory work. Right. And I mean, that's, you know, again, generally speaking, like with, you know, with adults. And again, I, we, we assess obviously like, you know, 
do some sort of in whatever your assessment, whatever, whether you're using FMS or, you know, you're using like a PPSC, um, you know, type of a type of an assessment. It's like, but the, I guess it's like for, for most adults, like that's really good as well. <laughs> like again, yeah. because that's, that's like the, that's again, that's kind of you just to live, you know, potentially a higher quality and, you know, potentially, you know, obviously we see, we've seen the stats on people who are over the age of 65 that break their hip. Like, you know, it ain't good. Like if you fall, no. you break your hip and you're over the age of 65, things ain't looking good for you. So, um, you know, again, having some sort of a baseline of, you know, power and strength and, you know, being able to move, um, you know, works really well, but like circling back, I guess one of the things that I was going to ask you and, I mean, it's something I think it, it, it's kind of a, I feel like as a coach, it's kind of an intuitive thing when you're working with athletes, especially like, you know, high school and college kids, like when they're at that age where they're, they freaking respond to everything. Um, uh, specifically if they, you know, if they even just pay attention to their lifestyle and their nutrition and sleep, like a little bit, um, you know, they, they respond really well to basically anything you throw at them. Yeah. What is strong enough? Where, where, like, because obviously from a sport perspective, you know, we like to look at, you know, just, uh, you know, relative strength, you know, like strength to strength, to body weight, strength, to body weight ratio, you know, whatever, whatever that, that might say, but like what in, in, in your experience and your opinion is like what for, I guess I would say for, for, for an athletic population and for like a general fitness population, like what is, what is strong enough? And again, we're, let, let me be clear here just because maybe somebody who's listening to this is like a strength athlete. We're not talking about strength athletes here. Cliff and I are uh field and court sport athletes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, talk about real athletes, not the best exercisers. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So talk about real athletes, um, people that move their feet. So the, I, it's very difficult to try to come up with numbers. I think that's where a lot of people get caught up right there. They want to have a hard number. Is it two times body weight? Is it two and a half times body weight? Is it one to, is it 1.5 on your de- bench press? None of those things matter to me a whole ton. Um, if I ha- it was hard pressed to put the numbers down, right? There's some studies that try to talk about two times body weight squat, is a predeterminer of better sprint time and better vertical and a two times body weight squat is fucking heavy, man. Like if you're a 200 pound athlete, like most college football and basketball players are because of their height and muscle, like they're, they're squatting 400 pounds. Now, are they squatting it to power lifter standards or is it more of a quarter to a half squat? Um, I don't, and 400 pounds, like it's not out of the question. If they're high level athletes, it's certainly not out of the question. Um, but to quote a, a, a rather comical term uh, by Mike Boyle is he says, what does that come as the orthopedic cost? Uh, which has been, you know, people make fun of him. Yeah. yeah, People make fun of him for using that term. But as a 40-year-old and knowing enough people over the years that eventually get to the point where they're like, yeah, I just don't really do the heavy barbell stuff anymore because it makes my whole body not feel good. I go, I know what he's talking about. It doesn't mean necessarily your spine's going to explode. 
but I always, I giggle a little bit at this point in time. Cause I was, you know, in my twenties being like, these fucking old guys saying you got to warm up these fuck saying that like, you're not going to do that thing later. I'm the old guy now that is like, yo, I just feel better not doing these other things. And, uh, anyway, moral story was, I, I do think there's something to be said around the double body weight trap bar. I think yeah. that that is a whole, that is a very easy number uh, to hit. I don't think you need to go with the low handle. I think like the mid shin height pull yep. double body weight trap bar. Cause that's effectively a squat yep. um, set up to me. And it doesn't involve the bar on the back, which may not be as awesome for some people. And so at that point I go 1.5 to two on the back squat makes sense to me. Sure. Um, and then I really could give zero shits about the bench press. I would be much more curious about um, somebody's ability to to perform with push-ups than, than a bench press. Um, and even like give me crawl-based performance, whether it be like up a flight of stairs backwards, yeah. because that's a closed chain, quasi-horizontal, quasi-vertical push that has much, much more normal uh, scapulohumeral rhythm and weird yep. stuff going on. Yep. I'd be much more curious on that as a performance metric. Um, I think that they're, you know, from a, from a single leg standpoint, I don't have any numbers that I would, I would be throwing out there at all. I just would like to be able to see some competency in like a coordination standpoint of single leg steps. Right. Um, and that would be it, you know, like it's, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, it when you see it and also there's such a, there's such a, um, individual reality to people. Some people will continue to get better by adding strength. And some people will just feel like shit if they keep going heavier. And so there's like, go ahead, like make fun of Kevin Durant, right? Like all these mother, all these people telling Durant, he'd be so much better if he put on a bunch of muscle. Would he, we don't know that. Yeah. And what are we talking about here? Like, have you seen Kevin Durant play? Like, yeah, Ke- like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and a lot of people's opinion. Well, and I mean, I, you know, I, I, in my opinion, he could retire today and he's a top 10 basketball player to ever play. Maybe even yeah. top five basketball player to ever play. He's six, he's seven foot tall. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's silky smooth. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it, really, like, it's really it, wild. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, for, yeah. Like, I mean, a, a two time for me to like, like even just thinking about a two times body weight back squat for Kevin Durant, it's like, he's just going to fucking fold. Like, fuck that. Like, why would I do, why would I do that with him? He's not going to, that's, that's definitely not going to make him feel good. Like I, and, and again, that's just intuition talking, but like, I just, and, and you know, whatever. I, I, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but like it, even like, like we were talking about with certain, certain exercises and Mike Boyle, you know, Mike Boyle making that. It's like, I know for me for years, I was, you know, NSCA barbell back squatting, meaning like barbell on the back, shoving the knees out. And I think a lot of that stuff over time for me, because uh, maybe I wasn't training other qualities. Maybe I wasn't training, you know, true frontal plane at all. Maybe I wasn't training any kind of, you know, adductor work. Maybe I was just, again, shoving out, shoving out, shoving out. And like, yeah, I had an acute injury or you know some kind of a um some sort of like a piriformis or um uh sciatic nerve type of thing when i was in when i was in college and I, and it happened in the weight room doing heavy srdls um again outside of outside of what 
you know, what my range was on an RDL, you know, trying to, trying to get to the floor instead of just, you know, Hey, like once your butt, once your butt's done traveling back in space, like drive the fucking bar. <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know, man. I just think, I think in general, you know, it, you know, for, and I know this for myself, like my back feels better with a safety bar and a half field position on a squat at this point in my life, if I'm trying to, you know, push outputs a little bit, um, uh, even like with a lot of constraints on a hack squat, like I've been doing that hack squat at the gym recently. And for me that I'm squatting still, I'm hitting that, that movement pattern, which we know is a good movement pattern for strength, for hypertrophy, for force output. Um, but it just feels better. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that, and that, and, and, you know, I hate to bring up that orthopedic cost term again, but like for me, that's, that's probably adding longevity onto my lifting career. Uh, yeah. I, instead look, we, of, both, we both know a ton of people in the SSC community who force feed heavy bilateral lifts onto their body, even though they know when they take a couple of weeks off or skip it completely, that they generally feel more mobile. They feel better. They don't have as many aches and pains, but they feel like pussies saying it. And so therefore they, they keep doing it because they, they don't want to feel like pussies within the, and, and it's like, I don't know, you know, I can't help them with that. That's a, that's a confidence thing. Um, I know that I'm fortunate because I can basically not do the lifts and then come in and, and do well with them. And so that, that's helpful from a ego standpoint at the end of the day, like I've also gone through a couple of surgeries and you go, I don't want another surgery. So, uh, yeah. not that, not to say that the bilaterals would cause a surgery, right. At all. I don't, I don't mean that in any way, shape or form. I just mean, you know, at a certain point you, you prefer the comfort of being able to get down and play with your kids on the Duplo floor rather than being like, God damn, I'm stiff. And that's the thing too, is like, I feel like you see a lot of, yeah, whatever. Now we're getting into like these Instagram conversations that all these people have, but like none of these people, no, I, yeah again, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but like how many of these people that are talking all this shit, like how many of you have, have kids? Like, you know, how yet. many people, no. and like, and like, there's a lot like that, you know, it's not just like getting down up and down off the floor with your kids, but like, there's a lot that goes into like parenting and, uh, you know, stress and emotional stress and, you know, like relationship stress. And then like, if you have a job and then if you're, you know, if you're training pretty hard and stressing your system in a good way, you know, hopefully in a good way. Um, and in that respect, it's like, there's just a lot more, there's a lot more to balance. And I mean, I, I can just speak from myself, like ever since, um, ever since my daughter was born, you know, things are, things are different, you know, things are different. And I, I, I can definitely say that the hard strength, you know, strength focused training cycles of, you know, f four weeks, I, I struggle to make it. If I'm, if I'm doing a, a block where I'm training heavier, it's, I, I struggle at this point in my life to make it four weeks. You know, I can go maybe two or three weeks on something like that, but then I start to just feel like shit. And like, I, yeah. I and I, and I get to the point where for me, like, I know, I know, I know, I know that I'm having an issue when like, I'm not motivated to train because I'm, I'm definitely a meathead and I'm, I'm a person who, 
who does enjoy catching a pump, when I have no motivation to do that, that's when I know, all right, like this is, this is a problem. And like, again, truthfully speaking, I will, I will push past where I probably need to push at at times and, and, and do, and do dumb stuff with my own training. But, um, you know, just from a standpoint of like, all right, maybe I know I'm lacking in the sleep department, but you know, fuck it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this deadlift anyway. Now, again, maybe, maybe when I'm probably not, maybe when I'm your age, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll have gained the wisdom to not be a dummy. And like, you know, maybe over the next three years, like as I get closer to 30, but again, it's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. And like for people that, you know, don't maybe have a lot of like stuff going on, whether it be like relationships or kids or, you know, whatever, whatever else. And they're just like on the internet, like shitting on people because of like what they say about, you know, X, Y, and Z and their, their experience. It's like, you know, I don't know, like they're calling other people closed-minded and it's like, well, maybe you should take a look in the mirror. Like, yeah, it's like there's other factors here. Yeah. Like a good example. Um, the functional memology page, the, there's a bunch of these motherfuckers <laughs> that yeah. I just find to be so, so fucking comical, um, yes. from a, from a lack of contributing anything to anything, right? Like yeah. they're just useless. They're just like, like you guys are just lumps of shit. So uh, like, that's just my feeling. I don't know. Maybe they're <laughs> nice people, but to me, they're piles of shit. And here's like an, an example um, somebody could put up a post and say, Hey, if deadlifting is hurting your back, let's not deadlift. Let's train those muscles in a different way and come back to deadlifting later. And instead they're like, you're demonizing deadlift. No motherfucker. Like I understand that pain is normal and it doesn't necessarily mean there's injury, right. but he- here's what putting your client into pain does is it fucks up their workout, makes the rest of it not enjoyable and then it leaves them sore fucking up the rest of their life for a handful of days and so by removing any arbitrary ass exercise for a period of time maybe forever that they didn't need to do anyway to challenge the muscles that are appropriate it's not demonizing an exercise and stealing their independence in life you like th- these people just have no good context of what's important in most people's lives it's not that it's not the gym it's being able to do other shit and if you just let somebody stop pissing off things that get irritated by force feeding what you think is important that's a smarter decision it's not demonizing it and they don't and you you most most of the clients and the athletes that we that we coach and that we see they don't they don't understand and i'm not I'm not saying I'm an expert on pain science by any means, but they have no concept of like what, when they, when they, when they have pain, like they're like, fuck, like this is bad. Like they, most of them associate pain, bad pain, not good. So, and like you said, like who wants to, who wants to fucking do an exercise? Like why, why can we not just do a different exercise that potentially trains the same thing with that? And again, like, I feel like all of these like pages and different, whoever like runs these, things like they relate everything back to like barbell sports and it's like well like motherfucker like i personally don't train any barbell athletes and like i've never competed in powerlifting and i have no desire to and like that's you know i'm that's in it. i'm in like strength and conditioning for athletes and personal training for adults like that's 
my wheelhouse and like yeah you know their identity is tied to the barbell and they can't they can't see through that at all i mean look look, okay let's go back to athletes real quick anything any cues that were developed to drive better performance in a barbell application squat deadlift basically the two right um lunges split squats have you focusing on driving your full foot pressure directly down into the ground. So through the heel, through the forefoot, through the big toe, through everything together. Tell me one fucking time on a basketball court or football court that's ever been the case. It's just never the goddamn case. Literally, and I don't want to sound like Literally that. never. Literally never. Yeah, even even like as offensive line, like I've played offensive line. Like, you know, that's where that's where all the big boys are and that's where, you know, they were it's it's you're 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 horizontally every every play like it's not yeah it's not this it's not this like heavy bilateral thing like in in a vertical plane like you're literally never doing that i'll go a step further i the idea of the idea of full foot contact being an athlete like the best like a, a full foot deep squat that's a resting posture not a performance posture because if you if it was ever going to be a performance posture, you would lift your heels a little bit to jump and spring, and again you'd be forward. Um, so it's you know it's it's I don't not saying it's bad to squat like that. So people no, would take it no. get it twisted. But I do have a question. I don't have an answer. I just wonder. Hey, maybe it's if all of your cueing in the weight room where you're putting a big signal into the body of this is how to self organize and perform this type of task. Does it muddy your output later if you're always driving to your heel? Yeah. It's a question. I just don't know the answer. But, well, and it's it's certainly like at what point does it start to override your normal way of performing things? Maybe if you're always concurrent, it doesn't matter because now you just train the qualities and then you can apply those qualities within the athletic movements. Um, but you know, it, it is a bigger signal than what a lot of people are, are getting, even in their field of play. So if you do it with enough repetition, are you rewiring things in a way that aren't nece- necessarily ideal? Um, you know, so that even as little as, hey, okay, when I'm pl- applying force in this, in this full foot pressure, I'm going to have the force go across the knee, the hip in a certain way. It's going to create stiffness in certain ways. It's going to create even little things like laying down your fascia your tendons and your ligaments in the line of pull, right? So if I, get, if I keep doing it the same way, the same way, the same way, and I get layering down thickness in the same way, then as soon as I move outside of that pathway, now I've got this, this relative non uh, developed area which when things are relatively out of whack maybe that makes it riskier to tear a good example stole from katie bowman is the calluses on your hand right you put down the same uh, input time and time again you develop a callus but if you then have a slightly different handle or slightly different type of exercise like swings or pull-ups or snatches it catches the callus and it rips, but not on the callus, not where you were developed, but adjacent, where it's relatively underdeveloped. Right. And so this is where, like I, I say the crevice training like a joke, and I don't, I don't have any studies or answers to tell people that it's going to help them out. But it seems to be reasonable that if you were to uh, challenge yourself in certain degrees and angles, that should you find yourself in those degrees and angles at a, at a later point, 
perhaps you're better equipped to handle the stressors into those crevicey new degrees and angles. Um, so going back, bringing it all the way back to what we said, like there's just never a flat footed position on a field of play. Like right. if you're running, uh, like if you are starting to run, your feet are pushing down and away. You have a, a posterior and lateral angle from your feet. And then once you catch a higher end speed, you're actually pulling the ground underneath you. And so none of these positions have you pushing straight down. Right. And uh, it's it just curious to me. Like I, I was listening to a Michael Johnson speed school coach talk about how they get better, uh, better results and glute firing when they have a concurrent uh, hip flexion on the opposite side to the glute extension side and they're pulling the ground with a forefoot versus just doing like a glute thrust. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, it, it gives me confirmation bias with the shit that I like to do. Right. Um, you know, like I, I always categorize, categorize uh, at FitWall in my own programs, um, instead of saying single leg or lunge or split squat, or excuse me, single leg or lunge, I categorize them as steps. And that was just from a semantic standpoint that when you say step, you're, you're taking into account the fact that you're moving horizontally in some way, as well as vertical. Um, and so when I load my steps or lunges, it's why I do a lot of the swinging kettlebell stuff. It's why I ban my lunges is so now I have a horizontal resistance as well as the strictly vertical resistance because look, when you're standing up from a reverse lunge, um, you know, if, if you only go vertical, you can feel yourself push more straight down rather than pull your body forward. And it's, it's a different, it's going to be a different firing pattern, whether it's good or not. I'm admittedly saying, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference, right? but it is different. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think we do a good job, like at the, at the facility specifically, like with the athletes, when we're talking about like, all right, like, yeah, most, most of the kids that come to us, you know, their training age is so low that they, they benefit from having, you know, some kind of squatting and like having more quote unquote stiffness. Cause like a lot of them aren't that they're, you know, a lot of the, especially the, you know, female, female high school athletes are super hyper mobile and, you know, don't yeah. really have any, any, you know, any control or just, again, just general strength. But like, we're also tracking, you know, like, you know, I, and using a jump mat, obviously, you know, seeing over time, like, you know, are they, are they potentially jumping a little higher? And then like, obviously that's a readiness, that's a readiness, uh, score as well. Like, you know, Hey, are you, are you doing some of the things maybe outside of the gym that, you know, or like, you know, are you coming off a volleyball tournament this weekend? And like, yeah, your jump yeah. is, but also like, you know, using the lasers for, you know, sprinting, you know, obviously doing, doing, doing linear speed and, and, and lateral, lateral speed days, um, and using those metrics as well to see like, you know, okay, like over time, are they, you know, getting fast. And again, like, I mean, we're not the, the way we design our programs. Um, you know, we're not bilaterally lifting kids to death. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of squatting variations that we'll do with kids is, or, you know, split squat variations. Um, you know, and again, occasionally, uh, with, with the right person, with the right athlete, a, a safety bar squat or a front squat, or maybe a trap bar deadlift. Um, but again, like we're, trying to keep 
other those uh, there's never any like just all right like <laughs> you're not going to do any sprinting or any jumping you're just going to lift heavy as fuck <laughs> like there's there's none of that so like I, I i don't i don't think we've ever had anybody and again like just probably because the, these kids training age their their training age is so low i think probably when we get into like higher level college athletes and like professional athletes and then like washed up you know whatever like we are um then you then you start to talk about like okay like you know are you bilaterally lifting yourself out of being athletic potentially you know we don't see i, I like i said we, it's not like we're killing uh volume with with high school kids on on bilateral stuff but we're also you know tracking metrics of like okay like how is this you know strength stuff that we're doing potentially um carrying over into like you know, sprinting and jumping and athletic types of, of qualities as well. I would make the hypothesis. I always treated animal flow and even move that stuff is just going back to the application and, and specific quality building is I go, all right, if you start your session with application based stuff, athletic based stuff, what are, you know, sprints, med ball throws, yeah. fun drills, jump drills, obstacle course, it's like whatever yeah. tag yeah. spike ball. Yeah. Um, application-based stuff and then you train specific qualities and at the end you do another quick bookend of all right now go go feel the athletic stuff again yeah. um it sounds a little bit like leaving the basketball court on a make mm -hmm. uh, to me and it just makes sense intuitively i don't know as though it has any any proof that that makes any goddamn sense but if i was an athlete that's probably how i'd feel best about it uh, anyway yeah i would yeah. say no, but that's, that's what, um, I remember. So like at the very beginning, I made a little note cause you said like something about something about like your, your training and like what, what's, what's, what's cool. What's cool about training for you? Like at, at this point in your, in your career or at this point in your life, I should say. To be honest right now, like I didn't, I didn't lift the last two days. So I, I, I had a workout Monday morning. Um, it looked like hamstring pump on the machines, chest pump on a fly machine. And then I went and I shot around for about 20 minutes, slapped the backboard a couple of times. Those rims <laughs> must've been high. They must've been high. Uh, and, and, and my, my shoes were really slippery, so I couldn't get a good grip. Um, and then I, then I went and did the rest of my workout, which was, you know, I jumped to something above, above sternum height. Yeah. Uh, box jump that's not bad for an old guy that's right impressive. like it was a how much was it it was it was it was tall it was pretty tall um, taller than my box been, on monday yeah i mean sure. it must have been at least seven or eight feet and yeah so i got up on that seven or eight foot <laughs> box jump and <laughs> it was it was five feet it was starting high seven feet, feet. <laughs> it, it was it was 60 cliff, inch cliff's, was, cl cliff's actually eight foot five guys <laughs> yeah i uh broke the world record in the high jump like i was saying and then <laughs> And then I did like random kettlebell stuff. And I did random landmine stuff yeah. and literally that was it. Like, and the, you know, with the landmine, I call it a crevice endurance. Like I love, I, I would have to say, I think this is a great drill for athletes conceptually. I haven't done it with athlete, but if you have your landmine in the middle of a turf mm -hmm. and you just had it exert your hold and you're sure. leaning into it and you just did walking lunges. So you're alternating legs. So every single one is at this weird lateral forward angle, which looks like running and cutting and different things. Right. So you're just going to put a line of resistance into the body in a unique way. You're still going to feel all the blasties. 
Um, but you're, you know, you're, you're building volume in your accessory work in a unique way. That's to me makes sense from an athletic endurance, hypertrophy combo shit. Sure. Um, so I did all this and then I flew home to San Diego. So it's a long flight, long commutes Tuesday, uh, didn't work out because I was hanging out with the kids. Wednesday didn't work out because I was making up for work. Leads me today. My knees don't feel as good. My back doesn't feel as good. And it's coming off of two and a half days of not doing anything. So to answer your question specifically, working out now, even if it's just 10 to 15 minute mini workout, it literally keeps me feeling more mobile and better. Better. Right? Like I just, I, if I go two, three days without a workout, my knees don't feel good. Um, you know, old, old man-itis is getting me. And so working out consistently makes me feel healthier, better, more mobile. Um, and then to, to be honest, like other than that, if I keep, if my cadence, even at 20 to 30 minute workouts done five days a week, um, at least keeps me having abs. Right. Yeah, right. Abs with, with a high level of candy and ice cream consumption. Yeah. Um, if, if I don't work out consistently, then I gotta, I gotta cut my candy and ice cream. That sucks. Um, nobody wants to do that. Yeah. High flux, baby. Shout and then the final shout, yeah. out, shout out, to, shout out to Dean. <laughs> yeah. The walking. Um, the other, th- <laughs> the other thing that I, I, I like, like I haven't played competitive basketball in a little bit, like with other people in the court, cause as a 40 year old guy, I don't trust other over 30 year olds with their body control. And so when you play open gym, you know, it's not like I'm some sort of high level collegiate basketball player, or pro player. Right. But I do have good body control. I'm not going to foul and run into motherfuckers and undercut them like these clowns at 24 hour fitness will. And so it's not worth it in that way. So that, that leaves me with a, how do I have, how do I express athleticism, which as we've talked about is moving your feet on some sort of field of play. My answer is I started playing tennis once or twice a week. I'd like to play beach volleyball um, and maybe go dunk some and shoot around myself and come up with drills, right? Like those, those scratch the itch. If I can't get those done, that's where my exploration in the gym with like kettlebell crossovers, kettlebell step-ups, you know, trying to do stuff that's seem that feels very silly uh, or would look very silly to a true meathead barbell person. But to me, I'm like, all right, how can I apply the strength qualities I've built over my years and express them in this novel way? Right. And does that mean that the drill itself is the best way to develop qualities? Probably not. But it's me seeing, can I apply into some sort of thing, solving movement problems? You know, you look at, um, you look at someone that, is just very strong on a bilateral deadlift and then you ask them to jump and they can't even do it. Or maybe they can jump onto a box, but you ask them to do it with an approach and they trip and fall. You're like, wow, what <laughs> is your, what is going on in your life? You can't jump onto a bench cause you lack the coordination. You can squat 700 pounds, which gets you no medals, but you can't jump onto a fucking 18 inch box. Get a hold of your life. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's great. Now this has been great, man. This is awesome. Um, I, I do have uh, two questions that I just want to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to start asking everybody. Um, what's your favorite thing about being in the, in the fitness and strength and conditioning training industry? Mm. I mean, you're more in the, you're more in the trainer development industry, but, but I mean, it's still under that umbrella. Favorite I, thing, I think favorite it, thing. 
I think my favorite saying, all right, so the corny answer, now that I, I ran those seven facilities, when I left, we had so many people that were really sad and because we really helped them in their lives in a lot of different ways. So starting out, I would never have answered in the corny, cliche way that's like, yeah, we really legitimately help people have better lives. And now that I've lived that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually pretty rewarding. Yeah. Um, originally, I, I was only in it for figuring out how to dunk on people better and have sicker pecs and juicier glutes and better abs, uh, which really just helps you uh, helps your sense of self-worth as you make yourself out better than everybody else. Jake. <laughs> Literally, how Jake answered that answered that question. The other day it's was, the right answer. Yeah, it's just uh, honestly, I I'm, I feel more superior than everybody because I'm jacked. <laughs> I, yeah, I want, I'm on a plane. I'm like better than you, better than you, better than you. Well, as somebody who grew up like you know a chubby kid and you know was an offensive lineman in in, in, <laughs> in high school and in college, and like always desiring to like look like a superhero or look like one of my favorite professional athletes you know i wanted to look like tony gonzalez or like you know sean marion or like one of these you know one of these inside linebacker dudes that were just you know dummy stacked and super athletic um it, the 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 motivating factor for me getting into training you know because i i can I, what i'm getting at is i can resonate with that because like i just wanted to look better like i felt like shit like i felt like a tub of goo and I was, just, I, I was on the I opposite end. I felt like minute bull, but six foot. <laughs> I was like, I can definitely describe your physique, Cliff. Easily broken. Damn it. <laughs> Mine would just be melted ice cream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, no, I think, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> I had a bunch of friends that, that uh, friends, you know, people that I was uh, acquaintances, people that I was, uh, hanging out with at the time that were into the physique world and the bodybuilding world and stuff like that. So like, but then like, once you get into that and then like you, you see that side of like how that whole industry and like spaces, you're like, uh, yeah, this is, this is not, this is not for me. Like yes. I'm more, I'm more of a, I'm more of an athlete, uh, you know, field and court sport athlete, not get up on stage in a bikini and flex athlete. Um, if I not ever to, put not out to, not to, sorry, not to, I hope if, if anybody's listening to this, it's in the physique, like it's totally cool. I think it's super cool. Like I have the Arnold encyclopedia literally right here. I'm using it to hold my computer up. So um, no, no, don't, don't think I'm talking shit or anything. It's all cool. It's impressive just dedication. <laughs> it's impressive dedication. It's just not for me. Yeah. The, uh, all right. What was your second question? Cause I forgot what I was about to no, say. The, the, the second question is, uh, just like what's your, what's your least, what's your least favorite thing about the space, about the, about, the, yeah, about the industry. Yeah. Um, the fake ass self-policing police, like these, these are, don't let the people that think they are helping people out by calling out people. Most 90% of them, you're not helping anybody. You're just playing like white knight protector to draw attention by being a hater is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. It's, it's literally, it's, it's, it's a pathetic way to try to gain attention. It's different than some people will make fun of themselves and make fun of everything. Look at me, like, look at me. I, 
I make fun of myself as much as anybody, right? I don't, I don't I take myself serious. I don't, yeah. I generally don't answer things with any conviction because I'm a loser. No, I, because I think that there's so, there's so much gray area that if you answer with absolutes, you're an asshole. Um, so yeah, my least favorite are the people that are, are basically, is, is the term white knighting? I don't know what the term is, but it, they basically try to act like they're helping everybody and, and like it's see-through man. Like all you're really doing is trying to get attention to you by bringing down people that have built their name up by putting out information and whatnot. And what's I'm not so saying, no I'm not go. saying with the, I'm not saying like, you know, like, look, I think Joel Seaman is a relatively nice guy. That's the only interactions I have with him. Would I train exactly like he trains? No, I wouldn't. I, I like full range. I like mobility. I like a, a lot of things that he's not particularly fond of by what I see on Instagram. But uh, I don't think that the answer is tearing down what Joel Seaman says. I think the answer is just giving an alternative option out there. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me personally, like, I, again, you know, I might see something and chuckle. But like, yeah. I don't, I don't have the, I don't, ha- I just don't, I don't, I don't feel the need personally to, uh, I, you know, ever come after anybody else for, no. what they're, for what they're doing. Like, I mean, I see it, you know, we, Jake and I kind of talked about like the Goda stuff and the functional pattern stuff a little bit and, you know yeah like my opinion on it might be yeah like it seems silly and you know some of the things might seem a little bit like but like but it's not affected my life personally at all so like why would i not just like stay in my lane and try to do the best work that you know i can do because guess what like i've done a lot of fucking dumb shit in my career and i'm like probably this, some of the stuff that I'm doing now, like with clients and with myself, like I'll look back on and be like, yeah, that was pretty fucking stupid. Like, why'd you do that? Or like, you know, whatever, like, you know, I feel, I feel like now I'm get, I'm getting to the point, like in my, you know, in my career to where, you know, I feel better about the things that I'm doing with clients and with myself and with the athletes, obviously, but, and, and that comes with experience and intuition, I think cliff, like, but yeah, to sit here and say like, I I'm, I'm, I'm literally thinking about things right now that like, and specific clients that like had specific orthopedic things that like I did with people. And I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? Like, that was so stupid. You know what I mean? Like, and I, yeah. again, it didn't, it didn't kill the person and their shoulder didn't explode or their back didn't explode or whatever, but it was still suboptimal for like the myriad of different training options and exercises that I had available to me that I could have done instead you know what i'm saying and like things that things that i used to you know believe and potentially be you know more for lack of a better term dogmatic about like i'm 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 i I try not to try not to be that way anymore and again like i think like making fun of yourself and not taking yourself too serious and just like being like okay yeah like i'm just a fucking i'm just i'm you know i'm a meathead i'm a dummy like everybody else and we're you know, trying to do, trying to do the best we can with the, with the people, with the people that we're working with and with our own training. And yeah, just the whole, uh, yeah. Like you said, the whole calling people out thing and that that, no matter what, whether I get a little chuckle out of like a meme or something like that, like, that's fine. But like, um, you ain't going to see me calling anybody out. That's I can tell you that for sure. hundred percent. And look, I can also say objectively, most of the jokes are pretty funny. 
Like objectively, <laughs> the comedy is there. I just don't think it's particularly helpful to no. the industry as a whole. Like it just no. makes us, you know, there's no united front. There'll never be united front. So I can appreciate the comedy. I just also think it's, it's, it's pretty slimy. Yeah. And I mean, there's already so much, there's already so much, you know, there's already so much shit like in the industry and in general and like at, at a baseline level like shit that we have to fight through every day i mean i just did an assessment with a with an older woman who's overweight you know pre-diabetic and like cliff like she just needs to like change some habits and like introduce exercise into her life and eat some more fruits and vegetables and get a little bit get a little bit better sleep and like maybe stress a little bit less and you know, we're, we're, you, you have fitness people fighting over, you know, dumb shit about like what this organization's doing or what this person's. Doing. It's like, yeah, shut, shut, shut the fuck up, stay in your lane. So, yep, exactly, man. It's just, it is, it is wild. Where did I go? It is wild. Uh, the the nuances that we will argue about when but, they haven't had a salad. <laughs> Yeah. But I guess that's what I was, I guess that's what I was going to say too, is like social media, obviously now, like you, you, you were in the industry before social media was what it is today. So like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it perpetuates this whole, you know, kind of this whole issue. I feel like that we're talking about. I mean, if you, if you take Instagram away from certain people, you know, if you just took Instagram away from everybody, you know, you wouldn't see, um, so much of this, uh, you know, like tribalism and attacking and like, you know, all this, you know, just stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Yeah. I guess that's the, I guess that's the theme, but be a nice person. Well, yeah. Yeah. Just be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Don't, be nice don't, 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 don't take your, don't take yourself too serious. Guess what? I, I tell people, <laughs> I tell people this all, like we're all heading in the same direction, you know, like as morbid as that sounds like, in try the dark. To, yeah, try to do your best while you're here with, uh, you know, with whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. And if you don't want to try your best, that's fine too. Whatever. Like you can, <laughs> you can, uh, you could just be, uh, average or below average. <laughs> that's fine. Yes. Yeah. I need, I need people that are below average to make me feel good. To make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. So keep doing, keep doing below average shit. That helps. That's the only thing keeping me together right now. If I appreciate you coming on, um, where, uh, where can everybody, where can everybody find you? I forgot to tell, I forgot to tell Jake to plug himself the other day. No sweat. Um, I am the, the more jacked athlete, uh, on, on Instagram. Um, <laughs> that's a lie. That guy is, he's a Greek God. A uh, animal. yeah, yeah. He, uh, he came over to my house. He popped his shirt off. I put my shirt right back on. <laughs> he, uh, he thought about taking his shirt off down at the facility too that day. I was like, uh, honestly, I'm ki- unless you want me to feel, unless you want me to feel bad, like just please leave it on. I'm kidding. Actually, you know what happened is uh, he was he was down there, and uh, I think my dad said, "Man, that that lady's got some pretty hair and is super muscular." <laughs> so uh, you can it. find me at, at Clifton Harsky on Instagram. That's really all I do. Like the website is getppsc.com. We uh, we launched. We've had a cool certification for a handful of years here, and this year we launched our level two. Uh, we call it PPSC times training, where we explore a bunch of methods of how to make things more intense uh, via accommodating resistance, RNT, supersets, eccentrics, tempos. What are really eccentrics? Uh, we we explore a bunch of 
I hate the term prehab, but we're gonna we do it in quotations, and we say all we are meaning is is challenging parts of the body that oftentimes are not challenged, get neglected. Um, yeah. Yep, and then we go through some um, some programming checklist considerations for people that get very caught up in just tell me what to do. <laughs> we provide you a just tell me what to do thing. Um, it's a really fun one, and then we'll also uh, be doing at least one more, but realistically, I, I would guess that we're going to do two or three more kettlebell starts this year. Um, next one's in Seattle. And that's a fun one. That's basically me going ham on the, the athletic mantra with kettlebells. Nice. And, uh, so it's pretty fun. Love it. Cliff, thanks so much for coming on. My man. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. If you please leave the podcast a rating and review, I'd really appreciate it. I'd also like to share that my most recent project, the Kaizen Protocol Training Programs, are available for purchase. The link to purchase each program is in the description, and you can find the link on my Instagram page as well, which is also linked in the description. There are three templates based on goals. The Jacked Athletic Template for those of you trying to get bigger, stronger, and more athletic. The General Strength and Hypertrophy Template for those of you who want to get bigger, stronger, and look and feel your best. There's also a spinoff of this template that features more direct glute training. Each program is $57 a piece, or you can get the bundle of all three at a discounted rate of $150. For one-on-one remote coaching, or if you're in the Cincinnati area and you want to work with me, please hit the link in the description and fill out the short questionnaire, and I'll be in touch ASAP. Lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, I've put a link for my Venmo account in the description as well. I appreciate your support and look forward to recording more episodes in the future.